Welcome to the Global Business Women's Pod, hosted by the Greater Houston Women's Chamber of Commerce. I am Susan Dyson and extremely excited to be your podcast host. In my day job, I am proud to be the CEO, President, and Founder of the Chamber. Every Thursday at 6 p.m., we will bring you inspiring stories of women who are leading in the advancement of women and girls. We will take you with us to our premier events. You will meet entrepreneurs, executives, and philanthropists who will empower and inspire you to succeed. So please mark your calendars and join us for the Empowering Global Business Women's Pod, Thursday at 6 p.m. Good morning. How's everybody? Well, folks, I'm really excited to have with me two of the most important voices in media in the entire city of Houston. Would you ladies please take a short minute and introduce yourselves? We only have about 20 minutes. Sure. I'll make it brief because you already know me. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Houston Business Journal, Giselle Rodriguez-Greenwood. Uh, I've been editor-in-chief almost 10 years. And uh, prior to that, I was with the Austin Business Journal as a technology reporter. Prior to that, I was a venture capital reporter with Dow Jones. So business journal journalism has been in my blood since day one. Thank you. Short and sweet. Um, my name is Maria Reeve. I'm the executive editor of the Houston Chronicle. I was uh, named to that post last July. Uh, I'm the second woman, first woman of color to hold that job. And thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, before that, I was uh, assistant managing editor for news at the Star Tribune in Minneapolis, where I spent about uh, 20 years or so in that market. Um, before that, I worked for the Pioneer Press in St. Paul, Minnesota. But I am a Southerner. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, and went to school in North Carolina. So I feel like I'm coming back south where, uh, I, I also feel like I traded one extreme for the other, six months of winter versus six months of summer. So, Ladies, we're gonna jump right into some questions. First question, what was the culture like 10 years ago for women in the media industry? And then on the tail end, what are the, some of the changes you'd like to see during the next 10 years? So how about, what have you seen in the last 10 years or so? I think 10 years prior to now, you didn't have as many women in leadership. Um, if you check around, there are about I think 20% of the news outlets have women in leadership, including the Washington Post, including most of the USA Today network. And I'm speaking mostly about print media because that's, that's what I know. Uh, and just last year, there were five women, women of color, named to uh, leadership posts, including myself. So um, this, this is a transitioning time. But before that, most newsrooms were led by men. Um, and I think opportunities for women were starting to become uh, more available, but uh, definitely not what we're seeing today. Thank you. So yeah, 10 years ago, you wouldn't have seen Maria and I on the stage. Um, women of color, especially in journalism, uh, was a very rare thing. And then you'd narrow it down to business journalism, even less so. I went to a company meeting like let's say five years ago. I was the only Latina in the room. There were two other Hispanics, Hispanic editors uh, in the room as well out of a chain of 43 papers. It's a challenge and it's nothing against my company. My company has made 
numerous strides uh, to increase our diversity at the top. We even included, uh, we created a diversity committee about three years ago, of which I was on there. Um, so I think we as a company have realized that representation at the top is super important. And it's something that I think a lot of uh, newsroom leaders are being extremely cognizant of. And by adding folks like Maria and I to those leadership ranks, we are increasingly diversifying our reporters, increasingly di diversifying our coverage. So, um, you know, we've made a lot of strides, but there's still, still a lot more to go. Agreed. Now let's talk about the next 10 years. What, what would you like to see in newsrooms uh, just from your perspective? Uh, more people like us. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, um, it's funny because they say journalism is a dying industry, right? Especially when you're in print. Um, user, or journalism schools these days are really heavily emphasizing still broadcast, and broadcast is great, a lot of bloggers, things like that. But at its heart, at its core, true journalism, two journal, journalistic outlets, like the Chronicle, like us, um, we're still a very important force in media. Um, so in 10 years, I, I would love to see more diversified newsrooms. I would love to see more women uh, of color going into the newsroom because that's how you change the narrative. That's how you open up the dialogue. Um, so I would love for media outlets to continue the momentum that we're on so that we can cover um, injustices in the community in, in anywhere it's, it can be found. I, I would agree in the next 10 years, I'd like to see more pathways for women who want to be in leadership. Uh, and that takes those of us who are already in leadership creating uh, ways for them to experiment with editing or experiment with leading a project. Um, we have to make those things happen so that women feel comfortable, uh, uh, more comfortable uh, asking for and, and seeking those kinds of opportunities. But, um, you know, you mentioned that uh, pa print, paper, is dying. That, that's true, although the Chronicle still in your paper, yeah, right, still, still enjoys uh, a significant um, readership. Um, but we also need innovation. Uh, the previous speaker, I mean, I, I loved her. Um, we need innovation. We need uh, the students coming out of school to think about how do you tell stories, whatever platform that's on. We still need the storytellers. We still need uh, people who are going into the communities and, and talking to people and uncovering what's happening there because that, that's what we as a local media outlet does that's what we do best. You can get your scores from ESPN, you can see national news on, on CNN, you can check your New York Times app, but to know what's happening in our communities, that's where, that's where the work that we do uh, is really vital. So in the next 10 years, I want uh, more innovation, more women seeking these opportunities, and for the people who are already in those roles to create those pathways for them. Just as a quick follow-up to that question, how do you encourage more women, and in particular women of color, to become journalists? You know, I have a degree in journalism, and you know, fewer and fewer colleges even have a journalism program anymore. So, it's it's an it's an extra job just to try to encourage young people to choose this as a profession. So, how how do we go about doing that? I think it takes being in spaces where there are younger people and creating those internships and programs where even on the high school level or, or, or below, where you find students with an interest in writing with a, 
you know, a keen passion about reaching people because that's what we're doing. We're reaching people, uh, encouraging that. And, and we had a program for high schoolers that was disbanded and within our newsroom we're talking about how do we uh, bring that back? How do we create opportunity for especially the younger people to, to see that this is a viable and really rewarding profession to be in, to tell the stories of your community. Um, there are very few of us, you know, my newsroom is just under 200 people. Uh, it used to be larger, as everyone's newsrooms used to be larger, but we still have a really healthy um, workforce uh, in our business. And so, you know, we strive every day to make, uh, make the work that we do matter, make it useful and um, perhaps appealing to those, those younger people looking for a career. I got you beat. We have like 10 reporters in our newsroom. <laughs> but we've always been small. We've been, uh, we, we do that intentionally so that people can get close to our reporters. Um, yeah, I 100% I agree. I feel like, um, especially with so much digital technology and how it's constantly evolving, us as media members, we have the opportunity to take advantage of those platforms to encourage more people to get, especially more women, to go to get into journalism. Um, there's the TikTok phenomenon, you know? I have yet to, to totally jump on board, but um, you know, there is that. Um, and I think it's important uh, just, you know, us as newsroom leaders to get out there to show that, you know, you can be up here. Um, it's, it's, it's opening those doorways to careers like this, and it's a very, very important career. Um, I see what I do not as a job, but really as a calling. I love what I do, and I, I don't think I could ever do anything else. Let's talk for a second about coverage. You know, you guys really decide what readers are going to see, and how do you go about that, and how do you encourage more diversity in that co coverage in an era where there's lots of opinions out there, a lot of polarization, but you know, within your newsrooms, how do you go about that for this audience? Talk a little bit about how you finally decide what's important to cover and what's not. Well, in business journalism, um, especially when it comes to diversifying our coverage, it's very difficult. In fact, if you look at your HBJ right now, it's all white men on the cover. Um, that was not intentional. It is a commercial real estate focused publication. And it more specifically, it was based off of uh, submissions that we received from commercial real estate companies. What we didn't see much on there were women submitting. So let me first say, you have to be your own PR agent. And if you're a female, in, if you're a woman in leadership, you have to be a PR agent for other women. You cannot let anybody sit idly by. So um, I had one woman reach out to me saying, why wasn't I in? I was like, honey, I didn't even know who you are. You need to, if, I don't know what I don't know, but I'm glad you did, because guess what? I'm gonna be calling you all the time now. So, um, you know, I think it's super, super important. Um, I'm, I'm totally going on my uh, soapbox here. <laughs> As a woman, you, you have to be loud. You, you can't wait to get invited to the party. You have to just knock the door down and walk in. Um, but what was your question? <laughs> This is my everyday, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> We're talking about coverage and how is it decided and what's gotcha. that process? Okay, well, we do have a newsroom uh, meeting every day and um, I encourage these reporters to think outside the box. I'm always, I'm always pushing back. Who are you interviewing? Why? 
why are you covering the story? Why is it important to our readers? You know, um, because there is a, a possibility of going way the other way. You know, you don't want to be too biased. You don't want to be biased at all in your coverage. But we're humans, so I always push back to the to the reporters and I say, you know, question yourself. What will this? What will our reader get out of this story? And what do you expect to um, help them get there? Thank you. Sure. So how do we decide coverage? Um, we have reporters who are in beats, um, and they are responsible for mining their areas to be sure that they are on top of uh, what's happening, on top of developments, um, and also being uh, thinking creatively about what's not being told, what stories aren't uh, out there, what does someone not want you to know. Uh, so your job is to go, go find that. Um, when I got there, I, I feel like the Chronicle does uh, a fairly okay job with diversity and its coverage. Um, I think the reporters are, I mean, we have a bunch of millennials, and so they're very in tune to what is uh, happening in our communities and, and what seems important. And so we use that. We push them. Uh, tell, me, tell me what I don't know. Uh, I drive a minivan. I have a son who actually play, plays soccer, so I'm a soccer mom. So tell me what it is that I don't know out there, and, and we encourage that kind of thinking. Um, when I got there, I established, and we are now codifying it to uh, a more formal thing, a culture desk. And so this desk is made up of reporters who work across departments. It's business, it's features, it's metro, and they get together and think about what are the things that I know about that you should in business, or what are the things that are happening in business that uh, features reporters should know about, and really thinking about how do we cover communities in ways that uh, are authentic, that isn't, um, festival coverage is what we call it. It's like, all right, let's just go cover this festival, we're good. That, that cannot be the depth of our coverage, it has to be uh, something more. And you have to get out there and, and know people, uh, develop sources, so that when something important happens, they will, uh, they will communicate with you about it. Um, but we, we work very hard, too, on, on the hiring uh, part. We, because the city is so diverse, um, when I look at my leadership team, we don't have a person who is Latino. And, and that's a huge hole for us, a huge hole in this city. So as I get leadership openings, uh, I am recruiting and looking for people to round out our leadership team. Uh, in fact, I have a business editor opening, and so I'm looking, looking around. <laughs> I, I, you, know, you know, if you have somebody in mind, let me know. Uh, <laughs> um, and so, you know, really being um, intentional about this. I think that's it. Just being intentional and not letting uh, the coverage happen as it might. Thank you for that. We're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about you personally. What got you into your career? And tell us about somebody that inspired you. Okay, what got me, I, when I was a kid, I was a bookworm. I loved to read, I read everything. I would just, I was happiest sitting in a chair in a corner by myself reading. Uh, loved the written word, loved storytelling, language, uh, the ability to inform people and transport them. Uh, so that's how I got into it. My mother was um, a woman who didn't go to college. Um, she encouraged me and my sister to pursue education as far as it would take you. Um, and so she was my first um, 
really role model because she had five kids, at one point, five kids under the age of 10. And so I don't know like how she did that. <laughs> or, um, But she, she was really very intentional about making sure my sister and I, and my brothers, um, understood the importance of education. So reading for me was, was um, my escape and I loved it. And so as I got older, I realized, well, I don't have to just read, I can create this stuff too, and uh, came into journalism that way. Uh, I loved magazines also growing up, but I discovered that that was too slow. Like I couldn't, I could not work in magazines because you're working you know, month to month on a publication. I need it to go faster. And so newspapers filled that. Uh, for me, and so that's how I got into it. And one of my very first editors, um, you know, those first editors are the ones ones you remember. And she was so hard on me. She was so hard on me. She was so demanding, but I understood that that was making me better. Okay, Ms. Giselle, you have the last two minutes. All right, so it all started when I was two. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But truly, I did want to be a journalist since I was like 12 years old, and I did want to go into magazines. So I remember um, wanting to go into women's magazines, and I started diving into it a little deeper, Cosmopolitan, Glamour. Didn't see anybody on the cover who looked like me. And I tried to style myself after these women, and it just did not work. Blue eyeshadow does not work on the skin tone. So I stumbled across this magazine called Sassy. I'm a Gen Xer. I loved Sassy. It opened up my eyes to a whole different reality. And that's when I was like, I want to do what they do. I want to cover things that nobody, that people are afraid to cover, you know? And uh, so I went to school with that intention. However, I knew journalists didn't get paid squat. So I lied to my parents about my major when I went to UT. I mean, I gave it the good old college try. I tried advertising, didn't work for me. So I silently changed my major to journalism. And right about uh, the time, my third or fourth year in college, right when things started to get real serious, I, I opened up to my parents and I was like, listen, I came clean. I go, mom, I have something to tell you. And she's like, oh my God, you're pregnant. And I was like, no, no, but I am a journalism major. And she goes, ay mija, you don't know how happy that makes me. <laughs> Turns out she was a radio personality in Cuba. I had no idea. So she had her own radio show until Castro uh, came into power. And so immediately she was like, you're gonna love it, you'll be a great journalist, blah, 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 blah. The, re the way I got into business journalism was a complete fluke. I don't even know how, <laughs> how it happened, to be quite honest with you. I just sent my resume and it turned into a bunch of places in New York. Dow Jones was launching this little venture capital newsletter. I didn't even know what venture capital was, but I thought I'd give it a try. Um, and it turned out to be fascinating. I loved it. Interviewed the founders of Google, interviewed the founder of Segway, uh, Guy Kawasaki was one of my regular sources. It was a great time to be a journalist, um, and I never looked back. I realized business journalism is something that people truly need and read for a purpose, and that, I feel like, is, is uh, the best type of journalism there is, really. Folks, that's all the time. We have some applause for these two ladies. Thank you for watching the Global Business Women's Pod brought to you by the Greater Houston Women's Chamber of Commerce. We cannot wait to see you next Thursday at 6 p.m. And remember, you can always find us at ghwcc.org.